buying a new car is an exciting milestone for many, but cutting through the noise of slick sales talk and the many deals that are on offer in the UAE can be a headache, especially if you know very little about cars and what to be aware of. Doing research and setting a budget before making a commitment to either a new or secondhand car is essential, experts say. It's also important to consider the cost of running a car, more so these days with higher petrol prices, as well as its long-term value. Welcome to Pocketful of Dirhams. I'm Felicity Glover, the personal finance editor at The National. Joining me today is automotive entrepreneur Naz Chowdhury, who's here to share his tips and tricks on buying a car in the UAE. Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to Pocketful of Dirhams on your favorite podcasting app. Welcome to the show, Naz. Thank you for having me, Felicity. Oh, you're welcome. So, look, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's bought a lemon in my life. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Uh, it's it's um, kind of regrets that you have, I guess, especially when you're younger. But what should people be aware of when buying a car? So... There's a number of factors, really. I think the most important thing I would recommend is to make sure the car comes with a good service history uh, and purchase it from a reputable dealer, showroom, or private individual if you know them. The story with lemons is generally there's a hidden story behind the car which hasn't been where a potential buyer hasn't been upfront and honest with it. So the best way to overcome that is to get it from a reputable dealer or somebody that you know. Okay, then. So, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of noise out there, you know, slick sales talk, all those kinds of things. But are there certain times of the year when you're more likely to get better deals? I mean, I know during Ramadan, that's, you know, kind of a traditional time. But it seems to me that there are a lot of deals going on throughout, you know, all, well, all the time. Yeah, I like how you say the slick salesperson. There always seems to be a now or never deal that's too good to be true, right? <laughs> uh, but in, in reality, in the automotive game, what I'd say is um, there's two, particularly three times in the year where you're more likely to get a good deal. First one being the obvious where we are now in Ramadan. You know, I think it's you know the whole industry is geared up towards you know, you know, grand marketing campaigns, giveaways, insurances, discounted, you know, value-added services and things like that. So Ramadan's definitely a good time to, to purchase a new vehicle uh, and a used vehicle for that matter. The second time I'd say it would be towards the end of the year, around November, December. So as the main dealers bring in the new year stock, they sometimes, not always, of course, have leftover stock for the exist pre-existing year. So, for example, as we go into 2023 next year and the new dealerships start getting hold of the 2023 model cars, they may have some 2022, 2021 cars lying around in a lot. And towards the end of the year, the, the, the managers, the books, the finance guys just try to get rid of them. So usually there's a good time to, to grab something at the end of the year. And the third time I'd say would be around July, August, as we know the UAE is very seasonal and throughout you know, the summer period, you know, it becomes a ghost town and a lot of people leave. And then of course, salesmen, managers, dealerships under immense pressure because the sales have literally just dropped during July, August. So that's probably a good time if you've got a few hours on you to go in there and really start negotiating hard. You know, <laughs> There are a lot of good deals about, um, but how did buyers negotiate even better deals, but how do you get extra on top of what is already being offered? So 
historically, it was, uh, we're talking about new cars for a second. So historically, you know, if you go in there, um, and, you know, offer a cash deal, I'm going to give you a deposit on the spot. Um, you know, there was historically a lot of wiggle room. Now, what I'd usually say is instead of asking for a cash discount uh, or, or, or price discount, it's way easier for the dealerships and the showrooms to give you more for your money. So, you know, where historically they'd say, you know, the car's 100,000 dirhams, instead of offering 95, say, I'll give you the 100,000 dirhams, but throw in a warranty, throw in a service contract, throw in the registration, throw in the insurance. It's far easier for them to give you extra rather than knocking cash off. Um, having said that, with the state of the market at the moment and the shortage of cars, um, it is fairly difficult to get a discount on a new car right now. In fact, quite the opposite is happening, you know. Um, there's a shortage of new cars. It's very clear, and some cars are even selling at a premium to the sticker price. It's just, you know, first time I've seen this in a long time. To be fair. Wow. So that was actually going to be my next question: Is there room to haggle on buying a car, and by how much? So it seems that that's kind of off the table at the moment. For new cars, yeah. I mean, look, the more desirable cars in the market, the popular cars, you're not going to get a discount now. You know, you may be able to ask for value-added services years free insurance, an extra service contract, a warranty, and these are all valuable things and they help with resale as well. In terms of used cars, there's definitely more wiggle room and it depends where you buy the used car from. So, you know, the traditional dealerships, uh, the, the used car dealerships, you know, th there's some flexibility there, but really, in my opinion, if you're looking for a bargain and if you really want to haggle and negotiate, nothing beats a private buyer. You, know, you just find a private buyer on a, on a certain listing, you know, you go to the driveway, and uh, just do the old-fashioned negotiation. And in my opinion, that's probably where you get the best deal. Okay, that's interesting. So if I'm buying a car, what should I consider in terms of retaining the value of it in, in this market? You know, do I need to consider, for example, the colour of the car or the service history, um, you know, sort of accidents or something like that? Yeah, sure. I think that's a very valid question, not something many people think about in advance and then they get stuck a few years down the line when they want to sell the car. Um, in terms of colors, I think you can never go wrong with neutral colors. So, you know, blacks, grays, silvers, pastels, stay away from anything bright, stay away from the primary colors. Um, anything that doesn't really stand out is probably good in terms of resale value. And more importantly, what you also touched up on is the service history. I can't emphasize enough the value of service history when selling a used car. That means, it, where possible, maintaining all the service records at the dealership or, or very well reputable or authorized independent dealership and keeping hold of all the service invoices. Uh, just put yourself in the buyer's shoes for a minute, whereby you go and buy a used car and you see a whole glove box full of all the receipts, all the service books, all the stamps up to date, you'd definitely pay more for a car like that because, you know, it's been well looked after. Absolutely. And what is better in terms of value, used cars or new cars? <sighs> so this debate can go on forever. I mean, I myself, as an automotive professional for over 15 years, have never bought a new car, and I don't think I ever will, <laughs> simply because there's so much more value in used cars. Um, an example of that is, you know, let's let's think about this first. Apart from the obvious new car smell and that feeling, you know, why do you buy a new car? You buy it because you want peace of mind. You know, it comes with a warranty. You know, it comes with a service contract. 
you know, it's going to give you trouble-free driving for three or four years. Well, in reality, used cars do the same thing, right? So if you buy a car, you know, 12, 24, 36 months old uh, with reasonable mileage, you still have the benefits of the warranty. You still have the benefits of the service contract as most of them are extendable. And you may even get the new car smell. Now, the advantage is you're paying 20, 30, 40% uh, less than new car value. So I'd rather somebody else take the first hand depreciation and then buy it when it's two to three years old, where it's had you know, the, the, the peak of the depreciation period. You mentioned that you've never bought a new, uh, a new car. Yeah. <laughs> That's something that you've always set out to do, or is it something that you've learned as a professional in the industry? I've learned as a professional. I mean, look, I'm not going to knock new cars. I have excellent relationships with a lot of the dealers. Um, but I just, I'd, I'd rather get something used from a dealership. I mean, look, the main dealers also sell used cars, right? So, um, you know, they'll happily sell you a one-year-old car or an 18-month-old car for 20, 25% less than the new car. And essentially, you're getting the same warranty benefits, same service contract benefits, um, as I say, without the new car smell. So, you know, if it works, why not? <laughs> so, Naz, one thing that I've always remembered reading was that as soon as you buy a new car, it loses its value as soon as you drive it out of the showroom. So just with that in mind, what should buyers consider when weighing up the pros and cons of buying new versus secondhand? It's always down to preference, really. As I mentioned before, you know, I personally wouldn't buy a new one. I'd rather just buy something pre-owned by a year or two and save that 20, 30%. But then you have other people, who, and rightly so, you know, they plan to keep a car for five, 10 years. You know, it's almost you know, the second largest investment after their property if they own property in the UE. So there's that peace of mind that comes with buying a new car. You know, you're the first owner. You know, there's no history on the car and things like that. Uh, adverse history, should I say. In terms of used cars, of course, you're always going to get a lot more value and a lot more choice as well, especially in today's market going on in terms of shortages and things like that. There's a lot more choice on used cars. I mean, the used car industry is uh, really progressing here at fast rate. Uh, you know, you have a number of listings, you have a number of classifieds, you have a number of auctions. And there's really plenty of choice. I don't think there's a car that you can't find in the used car market right now. Absolutely. I think you're right there. We did touch upon this at the beginning of our conversation, the global supply chain crunch. How is this impacting dealerships' ability to offer attractive deals this year? I mean, you know, there's chip shortages. Everything is stuck in ports. You know, we're not sort of getting... Um, as many cars in as we used to. How are the dealerships coping with this? Or, you know, how are they dealing with this? You know, how are they getting people in to buy cars if the prices are now higher? You know, it's been a really, really, really interesting roller coaster for the dealerships in the past two years. And if we go back to the start of COVID, where you know, the whole world was literally in shock, nobody really knew what was happening. Uh, everything went into standstill, you know, countries went into lockdown for weeks or months or more. And, um, you know, obviously cars and consumer electronics, even, you know, things like PlayStations, TVs, and anything, you know, there's a need for chips, semiconductors, essentially. And um, when all of these manufacturers stopped putting orders in for semiconductors, the semiconductor manufacturers slowed down, the silicon extraction slowed down, and the whole thing just slowed down. Now, obviously, that's picking back up again. And, you know, a report I read from the US recently says by the end of this year, early next year, we should be back on track for the chip shortage. But that's caused a huge supply chain and knock-on effect in terms of, you know, you imagine a year or so of 
no one buying new cars because of uncertainty. And then obviously things getting back on track. You know, the UAE did a great job with the, with the vaccine program, getting everything back on track. So now you've got a year's worth of pent up demand of people who intended to buy cars in 2020 and 2021, who now say, okay, now maybe is the right time. So not only do you have your normal regular customers, but you have pent up demand from 18 months of people not buying. So when you put all of that together, there's a huge shortage for, well, there's a huge shortage of cars versus the demand on the market. Now, what that's done is obviously given consumers limited choice in terms of what can be purchased. You know, historically, you can go into dealership and you know, spec up any car of any color. Right now, unfortunately, it's almost a case of with some brands, you get what you're given. You know, we have this. If you want it, you want it. If you don't, sorry, you know, wait six months until the next batch comes in. Um, so it's really, really impacted. Uh, but I think towards the end of the year, things will get better. And right now, the real impact is, of course, the prices have gone up, unfortunately. Definitely it has. And just moving on to electric cars, what are the pros and cons of switching over? I see. That's an interesting one. Uh, in terms of electric cars, I'd say the UAE is probably slightly behind Europe. Um, of course, there's the whole fuel price thing, right? So in Europe, you know, people are paying close to two, three dollars, depending on currency we're discussing. A liter, you know, there's a strong push towards electric, and there has been, and it's done really well. In the UAE, historically, we've had you know extremely low fuel prices. There hasn't really been an incentive to move electric. Uh, having said that, with the recent fuel price increases, which in my opinion are here to stay, uh, although they're still very affordable compared to euro prices. Um, people are feeling the pinch. You know, what you have to remember is in the UAE, Dubai is such a vast and sprawled out city. You know, you can easily drive 15, 20, 25 kilometers just to go to a local supermarket, pass by a friend for a coffee and head back home. So, you know, we do a lot of driving here. Uh, the roads accommodate that. But at the same time, with fuel prices going up, you know, people with the big engine cars are going to start feeling a pinch. Now, in terms of the, uh, the electric cars, they're a lot cheaper to run, a lot cheaper to operate, a lot cheaper to maintain. So I'd say those are the real pros. And I see, you know, electric cars really coming into the market over the next five years. Um, in terms of the cons, what I would say is there's only one really, which is lack of lack of charging stations. I mean, look, in the early days, you know, the big malls, you know, Imar, Majid Fatim, Nakhil, you know, they did a great job. And, you know, putting the Tesla chargers, putting the chargers right at the front, near the front door, and really incentivize people to get into electric cars. But they put three, six, nine, ten slots out of 2,000 slots, 1,000 slots. So as electric cars have been increasing in terms of volume in the market, there are not enough electric charging stations around the malls anymore. You know, usually you drive around and used to find them empty years ago, but now it's hard to find. You know, I, I myself as a family car, we have an extra car. It's hard to get parking. It's hard to get a slot to park somewhere in a public space. So I think the the, the the con right now is not enough charging stations, but I think they know this. And as they push towards electric and as you have more charging stations within the city, I don't think there's any more cons really. Totally agree with you on that. And also, you know, the petrol stations are adding charging stations as well. Yes, exactly. So with that, you're going to have... Uh, a lot more places to charge. And um, a lot of people have destination charges where you can have, you know, if you live in a villa or a townhouse, you can actually charge you know, the comfort of your own garage. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for electric, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that's definitely the way of the future. So, Naz, 
Finally, can you tell us your top three tips on buying a car? So number one is shop around. Sometimes it's just, you know, you walk into a dealership or you look at a car and it's love at first sight and you just forget everything and you just want it, you want it. That's not the way to go. <laughs> you want to be shopping around and really taking your time comparing the market. So that'd be the first one. Uh, second one would be, you know, do your checks and due diligence in terms of service history, warranties and things like that. Um, it's extremely important to make sure that, you know, it comes with a good service record. You know, UE has some great sites such as you know, Emirates Vehicle Gate and things like that. We can actually type in the, the chassis number and see if it has any, you know, pre-recorded accidents and things like that. So do you do diligence on you know, the history and uh, the, the service history and accident history as well? And I'd say the third and final tip would be set your budget and stick to it. <laughs> uh, I know it sounds pretty straightforward, but we all do it. But in, in my opinion, of course, you know, cars cost money to buy, but they also cost money to run. So you have to look at, you know, budgeting for the future. What's your annual insurance going to cost? What's your annual servicing and maintenance going to cost? When you budget all of that in, assuming you're doing on finance, you need to work out what your monthly finance fee is and the work backwards and stick to it. Thank you this week to Naz Chowdhury. If you would like advice on your personal finance issues, you can write to me at pf at the national.ae. And remember, PF stands for personal finance. Please do subscribe to Pocketful of Dirhams on your podcasting app to receive weekly updates. And also leave us a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison, Aisha Khan, and I've been your host, Felicity Glover. <laughs>